Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Roka Report podcast in association with the Sunderland Community Soup Kitchen. It's Gav here, back in the host chair today as we chat about Sunderland's draw with Preston. Look ahead a little bit at Blackpool and discuss everything else going on around the club at the minute. First of all, I'll introduce you to today's guests uh, on the review show. I'm joined once again by my mate Chris Wynn. Morning, Chris. How are we doing? Good morning, Gavin. Yeah, I'm not bad, mate. Not bad. Um... That's yeah, yeah, not bad for a nil-nil draw. That's mate. it, yeah. that's it. Um, content, content would be the word. I yeah, think. and uh, also join us today as a special guest, two-time Master Coach of the Year, host of the Paul Mort Talk Shit podcast, <laughs> and all-round Massive Lads fan, Paul Mort. Hiya, Paul, how's it going? Mate, I'm very excited to talk about something different. I do a lot of podcasts, and I never get to talk about football, so I'm very excited. No. Well, th- this is what all brings us to the table, isn't it? Football, you know. Yeah, we, uh, we all live different lives, go down different paths, but it's... Uh, Sunland, which brings us together. You had your ice bath yet? I just want to know that. Mate, I haven't. I haven't. On Sunday, I train jiu-jitsu up in Washington first, and then I then I have an ice bath after. Right. I need yeah. one of those. Like, I mean, it's yeah. not the same as having a cold shower, is it? But yeah, it's I've noticed not... on your social media that you, you you like an ice bath. It's wild, <laughs> mate. Aye, it's wild. I love it when you say I like an ice bath. Sounds like we're kind of saying I like a nice bath. There's not much nice about it. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, just for those listeners who maybe don't know too much about who you yeah. are, what you do, would yeah. you mind just filling them in very quickly if it's easy to do? Yeah, I'll do that really quickly. I am a like you said, Gav. I'm two times UK Master Coach of the Year. I work with people all over the world, and when I get asked what I do, I I hate saying I'm a life coach because that sounds shit. So I just help people get their shit together. It started off with men um, and then it's just expanded to uh, every, every, everyone that's ready to get their shit together. Yeah, so I'm a, I'm a big Sunderland fan. I've had a season ticket uh, since I was about 15 and I'm 42 now. I had a two-year sabbatical when I moved to Marbella. And uh, yeah, I'm, I've been back in for I've even managed to convince my kids to come now. Nice. How's that been? By neither of them came yesterday. No. Yeah, neither. No. So I had an event at Goodison Park on Friday, Everton, and I came back yesterday. I was really. I've been looking forward to the game for ages because I've missed the last couple at home. They both were complaining about going, so I didn't make them come. And I went with me dad instead. There did, you go. Did they realise how lucky they are? Because <laughs> we're in, in Quinn's Sports Bar and everything, man. Ah. Uh... Yeah, uh, they, so... they get the pamper treatment. My mate brought his daughter, his four-year-old daughter, yesterday for the first time. She actually really enjoyed it, considering nothing really happened. Well, you I know, actually it's... enjoyed the game as well, you know. I enjoyed yesterday's game. So did I. I'll come on to that. But uh, very quickly, where can people find your stuff, your social media and things before we get into the game? 
Paul Mott one on Instagram. You can find Paul Mott on YouTube. You can find Paul Mott on Facebook. Instagram's a bit of a nightmare at the minute because there are four fake accounts. All right. Which I, su which I suppose <laughs> means I've made it. Yeah, well, we, we've, we've got a couple of parody accounts knocking about. Like, it normally means that uh, you're doing something right, doesn't it? That's, that's the mags. Well... <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so yesterday's game, when you see it on the face of it, Chris, a nil-nil draw doesn't look particularly appealing. But I actually thought we played really well. It was quite an exciting game. There was a big crowd there. You know, it wasn't all bad, was it, to be fair? No, I thought I thought it was a good game. The only, I mean, when you said the, the result right um, up front there, the only thing I'm absolutely gutted for, because I did the preview um, on the website and I did the the preview podcast this week, Preston had drawn five out of the ten, half their games this season, nil-nil, and I didn't put money on it. Why the hell didn't Aye, I put... Why yeah. didn't I put... <laughs> I can't believe I didn't put a wedge on it. I think even um, Frankie or Danny Collins mentioned it in the commentary. They were like, oh, it's bound to be a nil-nil. And I think even in our chats, people were saying, it's going to be nil-nil, isn't it? it? It wasn't It wasn't a dull nil-nil. I thought it was quite technical. I thought it was quite a bit of a two different styles coming up you know, against each other and kind of clashing. Um, and you just need to look at the stats and to know that kind of we, we had, you know, two thirds of the possession. We had twice as many shots. Well, we had half as many shots on target, which was which I'm sure was something we'll come on to. But, uh, but yeah, I, th I thought actually it was a good game to watch. It was a good point because the pressing were organised and they were dangerous. But, but yeah, it's, it wasn't like you were disappointed with the nil-nil or sitting there thinking, God, I was bored stiff with that. So it was it was a good game to watch. What about you, Paul? Did you enjoy it as much as maybe I did in the stands? Yeah, mate. I, th I thought we played a lot of good football. I thought we looked really solid at the back. I, I didn't think they... Apart from that one, Patterson made a great save straight down the middle. Yeah. That's the only one I, when I thought, oh, they look like scoring. But the rest of the time, I thought we looked really comfortable. And I thought they sat with so many men behind the ball. I thought they played really deep. Yeah. So we never we never really got in behind that often. But yeah, I thought we played. Uh, I thought we played some really nice football. But we really liked the striker yesterday. Like, yeah. we really, I thought we, everyone knew that, but I thought we really lacked someone with physical presence. I think it was strange, isn't it? Because, you know, we've had our two strikers, everyone knows we've had our two strikers injured. But yesterday, it was really weird, wasn't it? Because I felt it was the first time since Sims got injured where I thought, oh, I miss them now. But, but we haven't, yeah. we yeah. haven't yeah. in the previous games. But just because, like you said, we needed that focal point. It was the first time we missed that that kind of front man, wasn't it? Do you know what? Do you know what I think, you guys? I think that not having a front man forces us to actually play better football. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. We have they have to keep it shorter, so it's neater, it's tidier, it's a bit more exciting. But then you're like, I wish we just had someone to get on the end of it. Yeah, well, there was quite a lot of that, wasn't there, in the game where we had crosses across the box and stuff, where you just thought mm, maybe if there was a Ross Stewart there, that would have been in the back of the net. But to be fair to the rest of the players. And my mate said this after the game, we maybe wouldn't have played, like you've just said, Paul, we maybe wouldn't have played like that with the striker on the pitch. So it's hard to predict what would have happened with a forward on there, but I think there was a couple of times where, like, obviously we started with Embleton quite high up on the pitch. And um, Embleton's not a striker, you know, he tries his best in what he's been asked to do, but he's not a striker and he wasn't gambling where, like, forwards would have gambled in the box. He was sort of hanging back, maybe like a midfielder would. He wasn't, mm. you know, getting on the end of some of the crosses. And that's not me having a go at him. It's just a, a reality of the situation, really, isn't it? That we tried our best, but ultimately we we couldn't cut open what was a very solid team. Mm. Do you know what it reminded me of? Remember when Allardyce was here and everyone used to say Allardyce played the long ball. But because Defoe was our main striker, I thought we played great football then. 
So it's kind of like we just needed, not even, I don't even think we needed a big striker. I think we just needed a striker. <laughs> yeah, so, somebody who knew where to be in the right positions. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, you, you, were, you were spot on. I mean, what, there was one move that happened down the right-hand side. I think it was in the first half. Because Embleton and Pritchard naturally just want to go to the ball and get involved because they want the ball. Both of them kind of gravitated towards the ball. Yeah. And we did this fantastic move. We kind of pinged it around Preston, cut them open. And then when we got, got to it, we, we realised that we had nobody in the box because everyone had joined the move outside the box yeah. and got yeah. involved. Yeah. And and I think when you know when you got that, you just thought, yeah, this is the first time that because Preston have packed the box out, we needed that Stuart, Sims, whoever it is, just to be in the six-yard box, just to stay on the penalty spot and be that person where if you chuck a ball in or a little kind of nice ball in behind, you've got someone on the shoulder who, who wants to get in behind and, and get a shot off. Yeah. Mm. It reminded me a lot of the games in League One last season where teams used to come to the stadium and like, just pack the box, put 11 men there, try and get a point. Like, I don't care what Ryan Law says, they didn't come to win that game. They came for a point. They knew that we were a threat from an offensive perspective and they weren't interested in really winning the game. That's not to do down their achievements, by the way. I thought in the game, actually, Preston had some good chances. You know, they made us work for it. At least he had a one off the line, didn't he? And Patterson, obviously... Like, Mate, what a clearance that, that was, by the way. That's, that, that was fun. Yeah, well, I've, I've only watched it back this morning, and it was... Unbelievable. Does he back heel it? Or is it, is it totally... I think so. It was with his right foot. It's acrobatic, let's put it that right. way. But... <laughs> He's been doing some of your jiu-jitsu moves or something like that, Paul, because he, <laughs> he kind of chucked himself at it. Well, when I went towards him, because it was on his right foot, I thought, no, this is this is an OG written all right. over it. But when he yeah. cleared it, I was like, wow. Well, you had to see a replay of how he did it, because when it was in full speed, you thought, how's he getting to that? Well, I was at the other end of the pitch. I sit in the southwest corner, so I... I, I I just seen it come off the line. Everyone was like, "Is that is that a clearance off the line?" I was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." I think it was Elise. Then I saw it back this morning, and I was like, "Jesus, how's he done that?" Uh, we'll, we'll we'll come on to him actually more generally. I think probably, but Preston's tactics, Chris. I mean, bit of a shit house team, weren't they? Yeah, but but, <laughs> but I, I thought I thought it was I thought it was brilliant. No, I thought you know you talked about it being like League One opposition, and and it was kind of those tactics that we were used to seeing at the stadium alike when teams came just kind of came for that point. But the thing is, it's a it's now a step a level up that they did yeah, they, yeah, they, better quality player. that they yeah. did it so much better than than the teams that we came up against in League One. They they were really they were really organised. I mean, you know, I think Ryan Law has got his team playing exactly you know right for the players that he's got. I mean, he sets up perfectly. The players know exactly what they're doing. I mean, Preston are going to be a mid table side. They're going to be solid. They're going to get points away from home. I mean, they're unbeaten in five away from home. Um, and you can see how the churn. I mean, six out of eleven nil-nil draws tells you everything. Like, you know, it's not yeah. that that wasn't just kind of how Sunderland played against them. They've done that to five other teams already this season, and we're not even a kind of a quarter of a way through the season. It was it was really interesting because it was those two sort of different styles clashing, and it's a game we're going to see again, and it's a, the the type of game we're going to see again and again this season. But I think now we know how those games are going to pan out, that we're going to dominate the ball, we're going to make chances. And I think, like you know, Paul's mentioned already, with that striker, you'd like to think that in most of those games, we're going to come out on top rather than just getting a point. Yeah, yeah I think what, what you said there, Chris, was really interesting when you said it was it was interesting. And that's what I thought mm -hmm. as well. It wasn't, it was a bit like League One, but they tend to lump it, whereas mm -hmm. I thought Preston tried to play a little bit. And it was quite, yeah. I, I found it quite fascinating. Like, 
it was more tactical than League One, I think. It was quite fascinating, now. It was yeah. Styles class. It, it was. I mean, you've just described it perfectly. I was watching how it was all playing out because, <sighs> you know, they played two up front and they they wanted, they just were so organised when we had the ball that they just thought, we're going to get a chance. And if we nick one of those chances, we're going to get three points. And like you mentioned earlier on, Paul, mm. I mean, Patterson made a good save. And a couple other times, even though they might not have gotten a shot off, they got into some dangerous positions and there was a couple of scrambles mm. in the box. And they, the other thing was, we might come onto it as well, because we've mentioned it in other podcasts, they were trying to play on our weaknesses on set pieces because the amount of yeah. kind of daft free kicks they, we gave away and they played for them because they knew that that was one of our weaknesses. And uh, a couple of times they looked really dangerous off crosses. Brady whips a good ball in as well, by yeah. the way, doesn't he? That's it. He's, little shit, he little whipped shit a couple <laughs> I he whipped a couple in where I thought that is a good delivery that that was their main threat from my perspective I think Preston just mm. <laughs> went, whenever they came forward for a corner me, me heart sank because I was looking at their team and I'm thinking mm. not one of them is under six foot it, it seemed that way anyways where I was stood you know you had Brady who's a he's been Premier League for most of his mm. career you know what I mean so he's, his delivery is obviously decent and then you've got some big big lads there. and then you look in our box we've got Danny Barton we've got Elise, and then other than that, you're looking at sort of Luke O'Neill. I think at one point, I don't actually know who the who the Preston player was, but Pritchard was marking him, and there was a good foot and a half between them. <laughs> and it went, it was, I think, I think it was a free kick. Again, I haven't seen the full game back, so I can't remember. But I think it was a free kick from like our right hand side, and it was whipped round the back of the sort of the line, and. Um, at the back stick, they had two lads who were both probably six three, six four, and we had Pritchard and Roberts. And I'm looking at, it, and they got it across the goal, and I think it was Elise who got rid of it. And, Elise um, won everything, man. Honestly, the <laughs> ball was like a magnet to his head. Well, we might as well talk about him actually, Elise. Just quickly on the on the set piece subject before we leave it behind. That Tony Mowbray's obviously kind of highlighted it in training as a weakness, and he's worked on it because actually, yeah. to be fair, Danny Collins spotted it in, in uh, during the game and he called it out and it was a brilliant kind of uh, you know observation that he made during the game that w- we've come we've now started to do this system where Luca Nine, Danny Bart and Elise stand kind of on the six yard box. So they stand on the six yard box line, one at the front post, one in the middle and one at the back. And they don't mark anybody. It's it's their job mm-hmm. to purely just because they're the best kind of in the air that we've got. They're the three players who can win the ball in the air of the 11 that we had out anyway. Um, <laughs> that that It was just purely their job to just go and win the ball. Don't worry about marking anybody. You know, it's not like mm. he's your man. Don't worry about any of that. Just get up, win the ball. If it drops in your area, that's your ball. And the rest of the players, all that had to be, like you said, Pritchard, because there was a two, you know, kind of two foot difference when he was marking someone. All he had to do was be a nuisance, just put them off. Yeah. He wasn't there to win yeah. it. The the three lads that was their job to win it, and the the other lads just give them a nudge or give them a kick or bite them or whatever they needed to do to, to kind of stop them getting the ball. <laughs> yeah, you mentioned you mentioned Elise there, Paul. So we'll come on to him. I think I've been a really um, big sort of proponent of bringing in young players like for years on this podcast. Like I love it, and I love seeing young lads coming and do well. But when he played against Chef Wed in the cup, and he had a bad game on his debut, he wasn't great. A lot of people had already made their mind up about him, but then mm. since Dennis Serkins got injured and Elise has come into the team, he's been outstanding. And you're you're right again. Like it's not just the. I mean, we can talk all day about his sort of the defensive stuff that he did well. You know, the clearances, the 
just being in the right place at the right time and stuff on the line. But I actually thought as a left back, he got forward really well as well, and he joined in. There was there was one we're talking earlier about them crosses that were flashing across the box. There was one that he created where he he sort of just marauded down the line, put a really good ball across, and I think Embleton he actually in that occasion he gambled on going to the back post and he went too early, and um, I, yeah, Alicia just all round outstanding, wasn't it? it? Wasn't just his defensive work; it was his attacking stuff as well. Do you know when you talk about these young players? You know what it reminds me of? Do you know when you play like football manager or FIFA? You always sign these types of players. You <laughs> yeah. do. It's like now I'm, it's real life FIFA because you never buy proven. There's quite a lot, never... yeah. There's quite a lot of people have said that though. That yeah. it's a bit like Sunderland playing real life football manager. Ah, it is. So, it's, yeah. class. it's class. But at least, do you know what's interesting about him? I thought they'd brought him in as like a left sided centre back, which I think, I think that's why yeah, they've signed him. But yeah. I was, I was really impressed with how good he was going forward for his height and his size and his like I just thought he was uh, he, he he was excellent yesterday and his energy levels were tremendous as well. Yeah, I'm really excited about seeing more because that was actually the first time I'd seen him. I yeah. think he came on as a sub against someone. Um, but that was the first time I'd seen him and I was I was very very impressed. I'm excited to see more of him. We know what Chris that when I think about sort of when Paul just mentioned it there we brought him in as a center half and a little bit surprised he can play left back. Like I'm, I'm the same. I yeah. had no idea he could play there. But when you think you mentioned Danny Collins there, there's a player who sort of it wasn't that long ago when left centre halves were left backs. You know, football, mm. football cyclical, isn't it? And eventually mm. we come back to the same point again. We were playing a back four yesterday, and at least say, yeah, he was playing left back. But it's not totally untraditional, is it? That somebody who's a left centre half can can play there and. You know, maybe it's just a case of that the modern uh, centre halves. A lot of them have got pace ability on the ball. Maybe it's just a case that you know we're bringing in lads who can play multiple positions, and it's proved. Well, that's it. I mean, I think that well, kind of Paul kind of touched on it there. You know, that left sided centre half position. Now, you know, you look at Chris Wilder's Sheffield United. That kind of that, that kind of wide centre half. People expect mm. them to play like fullbacks. So, so kind of. You know, well, I, I used to play centre-half back back in the day and, you know, I, you were just expected to win the ball and lump it and kind of said that's what centre-halves were expected to do back in the day. And now, centre-halves are expected to be almost like full-backs where they're strong and quick and they're good on the ball and they can, they can carry it out. But the way that Elise plays, it gives, us, it gives us that flexibility that even during games, because, yes, we set, mm. up, we set up with a four, but then sometimes if you if you look how, how when, you know, if, we're under, if we have five minutes under the cosh, we might revert back to what looks like a five where Elise tucks in yeah. and, and mm-hmm. Roberts might drop in or kind of Neil or Evans might drop into that fullback position. So you, you've got all that flexibility during the game. And what I thought was brilliant with the way Elise got forward, sometimes you expect playing a back four that your, your fullbacks, you know, if Elise goes, then Gooch tucks in or something like that. There was times when Gooch knocked the ball in from the right and Elise was at the back post. <sighs> Yeah, and and just at least, and then but with his speed and kind of how how fit he is, two minutes later, Elise was winning the ball back on the halfway line, and it just yeah. he he was just everywhere, everywhere the ball was, Elise just seemed to be there. It boards well because I mean that you know we were putting in the chat during the game when you consider that he's come in and you've got Sirkin out, Ballard out, you know two huge players who who were in good form and looked cracking. And Alicia's form, you know, you just wonder how these kind of really highly rated players are going to get back in. Mm. Well, that's it, isn't it? And you, you, at the end of the day, that's why you have a squad, really. I, I would much rather be in a position, Paul, where Sunderland have got like two, three players sitting on the bench or even lads sitting outside the matchday squad who 
in most other teams would be playing. I would rather be in that position than be in a position where you stretch. Like obviously at, at the minute up front we're stretched because we don't have a striker. But mm. what that's done is it's give other players the opportunity to prove what they can do. Chris just said it there. At least he only got in the team because Sirkin got injured. Now I'm looking at him going, where does Sirkin fit? And he doesn't, probably. And he, he before he got injured, he was one of our best players this season. Yeah. So it's it's a bit like, you know, it's not it, it yes, for the players it's difficult, isn't it? Because they want to play. But um you can't argue against the fact that this lad's playing so well. Why why would you drop him? Mm. It's interesting that I was you were just saying there about our squad. I think we seem to have a lot of like wingers and attacking midfielders. But then what I think about what Neil ended up playing and what I suppose we, we would have played in Mowbray's first game was two up front and no wingers, just wing backs. And I was thinking yeah. yesterday, how do the where do these players go if he does go back to five and two two wing backs? It's quite exciting as well though. But it is, it is, and you, well, we might as well come on to it, because I was going to talk about the subs in a bit, but you've got lads sitting on the bench there who came on yesterday, you know, like the likes of Ahmad and, and mm. Bar, and then you've you've got Diaku who came on, who, yeah, he doesn't often show a great deal when he comes on, but still he's there, you've got you've got other lads waiting to come in, we still haven't seen Mishu, the PSG lad, mm. so <laughs> there's a lot of options there, isn't there, in terms of um, what we can do going forward, and it it keeps it competitive, and of course Benetti as well. Bennett still haven't got his name right. I don't know what it is. I, I was <laughs> well, calling him. Ju- in the end, I was just calling him Dewey because well, I don't know that's what I heard around me yesterday. But then when the when the when the guy announced him, I'm sure he said Jebison Bennett. He did, well, I thought that as well. Yeah, I was very. Yeah. I was like, well, everyone's calling him Dewey. <laughs> so what do you call him now, Jebby? What do you call him? But yeah, it was. A, it was. To be fair, Paul, he was pictured on the E2 going back to Shields <laughs> after the game. I don't know if oh, you saw was that. He? Oh, yeah, got off, so, got off at the new so, ground. Yeah, so maybe next home game, just get on the E2 and you might see him. You might be able to ask Hold him. on. Is that an actual <laughs> thing, Gav? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> ah, he was sat in the front of the E2 with his dad going back to Shields. He lives in Shields? Well, the Metros were off, so maybe he was just trying to well, get back to Shields is, to get a Metro. That is for... mad, because talking to Shields, I see Kevin Phillips running past my house all the time. <laughs> Aye. I'd I'd go out to get a selfie, but he's a bit too quick for me. <laughs> I would just I would I would just be singing his song every day. <laughs> <off the top laughs> <of windows. laughs> but, I think um, on the socials he got the bus there as well. He actually got the bus to the stadium as well earlier in the day. Because <laughs> we, we've we've got, we've got a lad who works on the buses. We should try and get him a pass or something like that, so he can <laughs> so he doesn't have to pay for the bus every week. And we should, a day saver. Uh, I'm a day saver. You know you know what it'll be like. There'll be there'll be like a bunch of Sunderland fans waiting for him at the bus stop, and they'll take him there and they'll kind of there'll be body, bodyguards <laughs> for him on the way there make sure he gets there all right and all this sort of stuff but uh there was a video of him crossing the road to the bus stop and i think it was second tier who good friends of ours obviously second tier podcast they put the video out and they said does anybody know how to understand macram because i think they'll have the car just says jewison bennett mooching about going for a matties well it was like well it was like the modern day kind of partner of the red sea when he crossed the road because all all the traffic stopped and they went oh hang on <laughs> this is mad this is this is all mad, the traffic man. just let him pass but uh but i mean just talking about people on the bench i mean just just quickly i mean we'll come on to the lads who, who kind of got on but just talking about the defenders we've got one lad who i do feel sorry for at the minute is Bailey right because uh, you know he was yeah. he was an absolute rock last season, and the it just goes to show the players we've brought in and how well that these young lads are doing. That Bailey Wright's just not getting a look in, and you know I'm not complaining that he's not because people are informed, but you know you've got to kind of fail for him because he, he kind of you know he, yeah. he, what he did for us last season. Um, but when these lads are come back, you you might think Bailey Wright might might end up moving on in in January, but. Uh, 
Yeah, it's one of yeah. those things, isn't it? Yeah, well, that, that that you mentioned the names before, Ballard. Like we paid two million quid for him, and he looked really good when he was playing at the start of the season. And I'm thinking they haven't signed him to sit and mooch on the bench, so he's going to be in amongst it pretty quickly. I would think once he's fit, at some point there'll be an opening, and he'll get he'll be the first one back. And then you're right, Bailey Wright. I mean, where does he even fit in mm. to all of this? It's mm. it's difficult. But like I say, games, though, there's a lot of games, isn't there? And this, yeah. in these divisions, there's so many games. There is, and that's the other thing we were talking about um, when we'd done our Twitter space on Friday. I think, including the Preston game, it was something like six games in 21 days. So we've got another five games coming up over the next sort of 20 or so days. It's going to be hectic. And there are going to be openings, aren't there, Paul? There's going to be chances mm. for lads to come in and get the chance because... It would be unfathomable to think that all of these players are just going to stay fit and, and informed. And Matete as, Matete as well didn't get on yesterday. I seen him. I was like, oh, I'd maybe bring Matete on, and then he didn't get, yeah. didn't even get, didn't even get looked at, which is, which was really interesting because I think he's a good player as well. Yeah, well, the, to be fair to, the, to Mowbray, I think the subs that he made were all offensive ones, and he and he it, it, like I was I was really glad when I seen um, the two lads come on around the hour marks. I thought, well, that's him saying I'm going for it, you know. He thought he thought that we'd done enough at that point, and see, he'd seen enough to think if we just get a couple more creative lads on the pitch, we're probably going to nab a goal here. Yeah, and, I said um, that to me dad. I said this is very. It was like fifty nine minutes or something, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I said yeah. to me dad, "Wow, this is he, he, he wants this. He's got." I, I said the word brave actually to me dad. Yeah, it was brave, and we we have that's something we couldn't say often, Chris. Is it about um, Sunderland managers making subs during games over the years? No, well, the, the messages were flying around when when he was making the subs because it was a kind of a, it was a statement of intent from from Tony Mowbray because when he brought Corey Evans off, I think everyone thought yeah. everyone thought out of the two he's going to keep uh, Evans in to protect the back four and bring Dan Neil yeah. up, but he kept the ball player on and brought. Corey Evans off and everyone just thought right well mm. that was that was a signal that what Tony Mowbray wanted to do in the last half hour he wanted to go out and win the game and uh, Bar, you, you saw where Barr was playing Barr was almost kind of you know you know ahead of Dan Neil Dan Neil was almost a holding midfield <laughs> yeah. Bar Barr had the ball kind of five yards outside the box that's where he mainly got the ball and he was kind of dribbling and, and kind of he just looks he looks a player and he, he, it's only a matter of time, I think, before Bar starts a game because he just looks. Yeah, yeah. I think he looks really. Oh. He looks really different. Yeah. He looks really different to anything we've had for a while in midfield, doesn't he? Like he looks like he could beat a player. Yeah. He reminds me a little bit of. Um, it probably sounds daft, and I think I've said this more than once, but like, like we haven't had a player like Alfred and Die since he was here, and I really liked him mm. years mm. ago. You know, mm. he was because he was that big, strong box-to-box physical presence. We don't tend to send uh, sign those types of midfielders. I'm not saying Barr is anything sort of. I don't. I don't think he's like a a big physical presence, but I just think yeah. a a player who will pick the ball up deep and drive from midfield. There, there aren't many of them about. I haven't seen many of them at Sunderland. But no, Barr, we like sign Chris, holding midfielders, don't we? We sign yeah, holding no, midfielders. Small, small holding slow midfielders. Slow as fuck. Slow yeah. as fuck. Holding <laughs> midfielders. And then. You look at Barr though, he's got, you're right, he looks a little bit different and yeah. I think it's a matter of time, like Chris says, before he starts a match. And you know what, he got, there was one, to, there was at one point he kind of, he dropped in because he wanted the ball, he picked the ball up or he got a pass from 9 I think it was, and one of the, the pressing strikers was pressing him and all he did was just drop the shoulder, did a dummy and then he had 20 yards in front of him. And and that that's yeah. what he is. I mean, with his age and the way he's been, obviously he's been taught to play all the way through his life. He just looks forward. He just knows that, you know. Yeah, long strides, I, I, big I, long strides, I, hasn't he? I drop the shoulder, I've got 20 yards in front of us, and he doesn't look for a sideways pass. 
he's he's like he wants to no. he wants to create something. If he's got space in front of him, he'll drive into it. And he he just you can just tell by his touch. He's just got this touch about him where the ball's always under control. You don't think he's kind of you know bobbling about or anything like that. He's just got it you know glued to his foot. And I, I just think he looks a cracking prospect. I mean, I, it, but it, Paul said the word as well earlier on. It, it's kind of it's exciting. Like these these players when they come on, you want them to come on. And even though the player who they're replacing had a good game, you, you're yeah. still thinking, oh well, you know, let's see, let's see what they can do. You know, but I mean, people were on the edge of their seats when Bennett came on and when Barr came on, and it's just um, it's just a good feeling to have these players on the bench. I've never said this before. But do you know what's weird, Chris? I feel this is really this is a really weird thing to say. It's almost like we need like a Carabao Cup game, do you know, so you can see all of these players from the start. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you get these, see what they really like without changing the entire, like without losing a league game. You think let's let's have a Carabao Cup game and give all these players a game. Let's get back in the Pizza Cup and uh, play some under twenty one. I think it was. I think Mowbray said he was going to blood them in, and his way of blooding them in has just been to throw them on, which I quite nice. like actually. Yeah. But um, yeah. I think Chris. Chris was right. It's to be honest, you're right in a way. There, normally in this stage of the season, you would think, well, we've got a cup game coming up. These lads would oh. all get a chance to show what they can do. But, yeah. um, but I think I think like importantly, what's happening is when he's putting them on the pitch, they're actually showing something. They're not just coming on and filling a number. I mean, if I'm going to be uber critical, I would say that probably Leon Diaco's coming on and not really showing a great deal. I don't like to pick on the lad. Yeah, I don't think he'd be anywhere near the match day squad. Yeah, if, well, if it be... wasn't for these injuries, I think he's yeah. the first one to go. You, you've just called it there, Gav. That you know, when you talked about these players getting a chance, I mean, we're going. It started yesterday. It's a period of I think it's what one, two, three, like seven. Is it nine games in five weeks or something like that? We've got. I mm. mean, we've got a period mm-hmm. now before the World Cup where you can't imagine because of the the game the the just sheer amount of games we've got in the next five weeks. You can't imagine that. Mowbray's going to go out with the first 11 for all of these games in the next five weeks. Mm. I mean, at the, the yeah. age they're at, yeah. he, he won't want to flog these players. Because, I mean, look look what happened to Callum Doyle last season. I mean, came out the blocks because he's a young lad and kind of he just kind of burnt, gradually burnt out as the season goes on. Mowbray, Mowbray's not daft. He doesn't want to burn these players out and kind of flog them. And he doesn't have to. Because look at the form of these players on the bench. We've got the strength and depth to be able to to be able to rotate. So I wouldn't be surprised to see some of these lads get a full game in the next five weeks. Yeah. Um, we'll quickly talk about them there. Uh, Bennett. I'm, I'm going to say Bennett, right? Because I'm sick of... I'm second guessing myself every time I want to talk about him. It's doing heading. Um, Bennett, when he came on, Chris, you said it there about him, sort of keep people on the edge of their seats. He picked up the ball on the left-hand side and just ran at their full-back and put a really good ball across. Again, I think if there was a Ross Stewart in the box, that's in the back of the net. Um, Ahmad when he came on I just when I say this, it's, this again this probably sounds daft I've got this thing about comparing players from years ago but I just he, he reminds us of Sessegnon when the ball comes into his feet he turns really quickly and it just sticks to him and I'm really excited to see what he can do and he's another one who'll probably start a game soon but I mean there were a number of good individual performances weren't there Paul I thought Patrick Roberts was brilliant I Patrick think he... Roberts is my favourite player at the minute I think he's got it <laughs> he's just got that bit of class he's got that his first touch is unbelievable. He's got that. He looks up. He, yeah, he's for me. I think he's. I thought at Wembley he was sensational. Yeah. I thought at Wembley he was amazing, and I think he, for me, he's been very unlucky not to get in the team until we've had injuries. Yeah, well, and I, I think and that's a formation thing. Yeah, we we talked about that at the time. I think it was Martin on these podcasts was saying like, you know, we've got all these wingers, but the system we play, 
doesn't suit yeah. wingers, you know. And Patrick nah, Roberts, nah. to be fair to Tony Mowbray, since he's come in, he's made a big point of making a focal point out of the team around Rob. Like Roberts is yeah. now the key player in the side, and he heard something from somebody who'd been chatting to him, sort of, and he and he talked about how you know he pinpointed Roberts and he, he just looked at him and said, "How much talent you've got?" You know what I mean? That's you know, exactly we, what we, it is. The, the beauty about having someone like Roberts is he, he's, I mean, he's so talented and he produces so much. But the beauty is it's not like the McGeady days where it's kind of give the ball to Roberts and we've got nobody else on the mm. pitch. He kind of, he shares the burden with kind of Clark and Pritchard and Embleton and all. So we've got loads of good players around him. So we're not relying on him. You can see that he's thriving on it because mm. he's gliding past players this season in a way he wasn't doing when he first came here. Yeah. Like he looked, yeah. he, he would shorten in, in bits and pieces but this season, it seems to be every time he picks up the ball on the right hand side, he just takes their their players to pieces. The problem yeah. with Roberts is, is the end product part, isn't it? And that's yeah. maybe where you could be a little bit critical with his sort of his performance yesterday. Was there was yeah. a couple of times where he he just skinned three four lads and the ball wasn't on target. There was one yeah. in particular where he he kind of ran along the byline, didn't he? And then cut inside and curled it a little bit like he did against Redden and. You would just, you'd obviously went for goal, but you would expect our players to gamble on it. Nobody did, but I think that to be honest, that I think that'll come on it. You can see that he's got everything there to to be yeah. pretty successful. It'll be himself. interesting to see what what would be happening if we did have two strikers. Like it would be very interesting because I think he could also play Pritchard's position. I think he could also play that little that little number ten role. Although I wouldn't leave Pritchard out. I didn't think he was in the game yesterday. No, and he, I don't think he was at Watford either when you, you, you look back at it. But again, a little bit like Embleton, we're, we're asking them to play a slightly different role, yeah. aren't we? So, yeah. I thought tough. O'Neill was excellent as well yesterday, actually. Yeah, well, you could say him and Danny Bart were both yeah, excellent. Class. Yeah, class. Just quickly touch on that then, Chris. Uh, O'Neill and Bart at the back. The, uh, we were talking about Ballard and, you know, Cirque and where they fit back in. I mean, O'Neill's the, the one naturally you look at and think, would he come out? But... He's doing everything he can, isn't he, to try and keep his place in the side at the minute. I mean, that, that was a that was a really good performance from him yesterday. It was probably as well as he's played all season. Yeah, it was. It was. I mean, kind of we've touched on it that the three that we or the kind of the two that we've got plus Elise are all kind of there because of injuries almost, and they've been given a chance. Mm. But I mean, I'll, I'll bang the drum again on it, Gav, because I've mentioned it a few times. I mentioned it in pre-season with that kind of best League One eleven. That I think Lugo Nine is so suited to playing at the back. In the in kind of as a modern day centre half, you know, you, he doesn't look like you know he, he's alongside Danny Bart, and he doesn't look like Danny Bart. Danny Bart looks like a, you know, a, a kind of a standard centre half. He's a big bruiser. When he's on the ball, he doesn't look all that comfortable. Luke O'Neill doesn't look like a natural centre half, but I think he now because of the period he had under Lee Johnson, where he was forced to play there, and I thought he's brilliant in that period. And now I think he actually looks like a natural centre half, and. The way he, it's almost like Danny Bart sometimes when they play out from the back, it's like, oh, I'll give it to Luke and Luke can play that forward pass because Danny Bart, he, he probably could, but he just knows, well, Luke and I's a bit better than that. I'll give it to him. He can start the move and he can start the tempo and knock it out wide to Lyndon Gooch or miss Danny Bart out and go to the left and, and knock it to Alicia or whatever or, or give it in the middle. And he played a couple of great balls in behind for Clark as well. He played a couple of great balls for Clark. He did. and, and the that, thing, was, that was our early chance, wasn't the, it? The only slight yeah. thing about Danny Bart is, and I think, you think he's playing well, I think he's he's got he's in some good form, but there's just a couple of occasions where he got turned and he got done for pace. And that's the only yeah. thing I worry about with Danny Bart is that 
if you get if you get a striker with some pace, he he tends to struggle, and I, that's why I just think I can see when you know Danny Ballard, you know, let's say, you know, second half of the season when he gets fit, I can see Danny Ballard making that position in the centre. I can I can see that change being made, but he, they're, they're both playing well. I mean, clean sheet, you can't you can't knock it. Um, and and like I said, I think uh, the way that we play suits or nine to to play that fizz and ball into the middle to someone's feet and I just think now he's he's kind of vital to the way we play. Yeah, the only thing if I'm going to nitpick and I, I don't really like doing this, but if I'm going to nitpick at the the performance, I don't know whether I felt this more being in the ground. So it's interesting to get both your perspectives on this. But I'll come to you, Paul. Sort of the the way we were passing it around at times at the back, and we were a little bit dicey, like. I don't like seeing me goalkeeper do Cruyff turns in his own box. I just <laughs> don't like is. it. Me dad you know? loses his mind every time he does that. It's class. I love right. it when people lose their mind next to me. Me dad <laughs> will lose it. Why doesn't he just lump it? I'm like, dad, it's 2022, man. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's, it's tough, isn't it? Like, because the, you can see the players are playing with so much freedom, Paul. And yeah. that's a symptom of it, you know. They're playing with freedom and they're really confident. So they're confident in their ability to get away with it. And they did yeah, get away with it. Both. I thought Goods dropped a couple of yesterday. I thought he, he looked a bit yeah. off the pace yesterday. I think the good thing is now, though, he doesn't seem to get as much shit as he used to. Like, I was thinking six months ago, if he was giving the ball away as often as he did, and play, he played a couple of passes where uh, when Roberts got booked, mm. there was someone else that should have got booked. And I was like, it should be Gooch that get, that's getting booked for that pass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He played a couple of passes where I was like, he's going to get booked and it should be Gooch that's getting it. But I thought he looked a bit off the uh, pace yesterday. But I think now... He can defend so much better that people don't give him as much stick as he used to. So yeah, he, he was the he was the probably our poorest player yesterday. But if looks could kill Paul, the look that Roberts gave Gooch, <laughs> he, he turned yeah. he turned around and was like, "What the? What were you doing?" He was because killed, I mean, killed me there. He sold him like five yards short, and Roberts. Yeah, to be did. fair, <laughs> it was. I mean, you you were talking about it last time with Corey Evans at Watford, Gav. About when he tripped the player up when they were kind of on the counter. Yeah, and I tell you what, yeah. if Roberts if Roberts hadn't uh, tripped him because we committed so many players forward, but then he turned around and Gucci was like, "What the? You know what are you doing?" <laughs> I, yeah. well, I guess that's just a symptom of being in the championship as well. You know, if these lads were all perfect at everything they did. They wouldn't be playing in this no, level. No. And and actually, just just about the level. I mean, actually, Paul, just on that Lyndon Gooch subject, you know about. You know, a lot of that stick, you know, that some of the players got was was just purely because of where the club was at. You know, like League One. Yeah. The fans were so pissed off generally about, you know, we shouldn't be in League One. And then whenever someone made a mistake, it was like, oh, you know, bloody, you know, son, we're in League One. Everything came out on, on players. But now we're in. And I suppose you have to. There's got to be someone that they take it out yeah. on. And unfortunately for Gucci, it was but, him, right? But now, like yeah. you said, they've got that space to make a few mistakes, which means, that, you know, Gav was saying about Patterson doing turns in the six yard box and all this sort of stuff. But the, they've got a bit of freedom now because they know the fans aren't going to be like, absolutely. I mean, if that if that happened League One, people have been kind of booing and saying, what you're doing and yeah. Yeah. on his back. But yeah. Do you think that little bit of extra space is why Dan Neal's looked be- I think he's looked better at this level. Yeah. I don't think he's been amazing. I just think he's looked a little bit more at home in the championship than he did in League One. I, I, I actually think, uh, well, if if you looked at all the pitches of pre-season, I think he worked so much on bulking up a bit and getting like that body strength up up, up top that now mm. in the championship mm. he's got a bit more to kind of keep the ball and turn with the ball. Whereas last season he, he was getting yeah. shoved off. So I, I just mm. I just think he knows what he needs to work on. Yeah, mm. we've talked about this quite a lot actually, in that we. 
especially last season when we were actually watching Sunderland struggle to break down teams just like Preston in League in League One. We were saying quite often, you know, that there's players in this team who will look better in the league above. Mm-hmm. And he was always one of the players we mentioned, you know. Maybe Roberts is that as well. Yeah. yeah. The, the one thing, just to going back to Lyndon Gooch, the, the one point I wanted to make about Lyndon Gooch is 10 minutes to go in the box, he stuck a leg out. And, you know, I think hearts are in the mouths when everyone thought he might give a penalty. And the, on the replay, because I thought, no, he's dived. And you watch Lyndon Gooch and he shouts, kind of starts shouting at their players on the floor. But I tell you what, you saw the replay and he stuck out a leg to, to trip the lad. And he, it wasn't, he kind of half pulled back. But I tell you what, I don't think we would have had that many complaints if he'd given a penalty. Mm. Right. Yeah. I mean, th- these are the things you sort of miss in the group. I, I, I said dive all day, to be fair. He stuck, he stuck out a leg. Let, let, yeah. Before we round off on the game, let's quickly talk about the ref, actually, because I thought he was terrible. Like, I just thought he managed the game so badly, Paul. I don't know what you thought when you were watching it. But but... I thought in the first half, I thought they gave away so many fouls. And I wonder what, what were the numbers on how many fouls they gave away? Um, well, I can only see the overall ones, but apparently they, they made 14 and we made 11. But I just thought the referee's management of the game was shocking. Like I thought he yeah. in in the in the first half, it was a case of I don't know. We said this the other week when we played Borough, didn't we, Chris? Like the ref seemed to have in his head, I'm not going to give a yellow card in the first half. And my dad said that. My dad's my dad used you know. to be a referee, and he said this ref's not going to book anyone. No, and that's how it felt yesterday. It felt as though he just wasn't going to book anyone unless it was like a two-footed lunge at the knee because he was. We were getting kicked a bit, and it was, mm. it was the it was the tactics I expected from Preston. I expected them to try and slow us down, break up the play, give fouls away, you know, all, all that. We've seen it millions of times, but because the referee was letting it go, they were doing it more, and it yeah yeah. It, and then you then you're like looking at you're looking at the ref, and you're saying, "Where's the protection for our players here?" You know, you you mm. should. I mean, the, I could have counted. Four or five occasions before um, before Roberts got that yellow, actually, where they should have had yellow cards, and I'm thinking there's no yeah. consistency with these referees. They just they just do what they want. There was one in the middle of the pitch. Did he get booked for that? Remember the one when we were breaking, and I'm sure I didn't. There was there was two there was two players foul. I think it was Roberts. It was someone in the middle of the pitch breaking forward. It might have been Ableton actually, and they took him out on the halfway line. I was like, if that's a foul... In yeah. fact, mm. I didn't think it was a foul. It was a great sliding tackle. I don't know if you remember it. And I was like, well, if that's a foul, it's got to be a booking. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think you might... They only had one yellow card. That was Liam Lindsay. Yeah. who That was just after half time, I think. Yeah. Um, I mentioned it after the Watford game that it's it's something we're going to have to get used to because it's the, it's the new directives. It's the new directives that basically you've got to commit GBH before it's a free kick and a yellow card. <sighs> And but the, the the referees this season, Premier League all the way through, they've been told, and it, it's funny because commentators have, you know, you'd listen to them on Sky or whatever during the games, and they've they've actually been briefed by the referees because they, they need to know that that that's how the game's going to flow now, and the the referees want don't they don't want to blow their whistle, they don't want to give cards because that they've been told not to, but it's something, yeah. And and I said it's typical that suddenly we get this brilliant football and technical side, and now you've got to kind of break someone's leg to get a free kick. Um, but I bet Lee Catamore wishes he was playing again. But the the, <laughs> the problem is the problem is with that the, the referees sometimes kind of almost have a bit of a brain fart and go back to kind of how they used to do things, and then they have to remember that they they have to let these things go. So mm. suddenly you get these inconsistencies where 
Like you get these tough tackles with no free kick, and then suddenly there's a little niggly one, and he gives a free kick, and you think, hang on, well, yeah. that was that. If that's a free kick, then all of those are a free kick. So, but the the but our problem is, and and I actually made a note about Dan Neil, the amount of little free kicks that Dan Neil gave away, and he's been guilty of it this season, and it's something he needs to be kind of aware of because because of our weakness of set pieces, and. It, 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 I mean, to be fair, I think he was unfortunate that the referee gave them because he wasn't given them for for other things that should have been free kicks. But that, yeah. Dan Neil just need, there was one just down in the in the corner um, of the of the kind of the north stand, the west stand, where in in that corner where he gave that he gave a really daft free kick away right in the corner, which gave them a, a free opportunity to knock the ball. Yeah. And it's just something Dan Neil has to be aware of because I think he's done it on in quite a few games now where he, he just needs to kind of. Harry the player rather than giving a free kick away. Mm, yeah. So overall, then Paul happy with a point or not? I think Tony Mowbray sounded a little bit disappointed we didn't win, but he he sort of con- you know, he sort of conceded that you know it's probably a good point given the way Preston play and how they, how many games have drawn nil nil this season. It was one of those games, and I can't remember the last time I said this about Sunderland where I'm kind of disappointed with a point. But I'm happy with the performance. I've never said you'd never say that about a nil-nil at the stadium of light. It's, no. It was a very it, the feeling that I've got about the game is the one that I haven't felt for. I can't yeah. remember how long. Where I was, I was happy with the performance, but yeah, disappointed that we didn't get a goal. Yeah, Chris. Well, it's, how about you? It's, it's interesting, Paul. Actually, it's that kind of League One kind of hangover a little bit because you know when we're in League One, the amount of times you drew one-one and came out the ground absolutely gutted. <sighs> But we we, but we draw nil nil yesterday, and everyone's like, "Yep, yeah, all right, that's good. That that's canny. That's you know, that's that's mm. not bad." But like you said, Gav, at the beginning, it's going to be a game that we're going to see almost carbon copies of again and again and again this season. But you'd like to think Stewart Sims or whatever we're going to have someone on the end of it. And and it's funny you mentioned Mowbray's comments after the game, and he said basically the same thing. He went, "Nothing to worry about." We're gonna have these days where we're just—it's just not. We're gonna play well, just not gonna find the back of the net. But we get a point and we move on. And he said, you know, we've got strikers to come in. Don't worry about it. We're gonna see this game again. And you'd like to think with the players coming in, we're gonna get three points more than more than not further in the season. Yeah. Do you know what I think's really mad, you guys? Either I can't remember their keeper making loads of saves either. No, like, but, but we still enjoyed the game. Yeah, yeah <laughs> it was. It was one. I think that's reflected in the stats that we saw: two shots on target, sixteen. Not, you know, altogether. So, and, and actually, now that you mention it, Paul, the the ones because we didn't have that striker, the saves that he made were all kind of wingers coming in and, and shooting on an angle. Yeah, because I mean, Roberts had that one yeah. where he, he cut in, didn't he? And he, he tried to score at the near post, and the keeper made. I think mm-hmm. the two shots on target were those two saves that he made with his legs, kind of at the near post. Mm. Um, but yeah, mm. if you have that central player, then then maybe it would have been a different kind of result. There was, there was one from Embleton as well where he, he sort of fluffed his first shot and it came back. Oh one. shit! I and it was I, actually I really, it was done. a really good save actually yeah. when I've watched it back. I thought you should have done better there. Mm. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. But I mean, yeah. Overall, I'm pretty pleased with a point. I think um, you know it's not a case of we, we we've come out come away from the game and we we feel like we've been robbed or anything. I think actually. Mm. You know, despite the fact Preston played the more negative style of the two teams, they had their own chances. We had to work. You know, we had to clear shots off the line. We could have quite easily lost that game. You know, mm. on a different day. So well, put it this way: I mean, just just talking about uh, Ryan Lowe and uh, you know his comments after the game. I mean, you could 
yeah, I mean, everyone could see the way they set up and what, what they wanted out of the game. But, I mean, he summed it up because they did have their chances. And he said it was nearly the perfect away performance, um, but they just didn't get three points. But So, he, mm, he, yeah. as far as he's concerned, that was exactly the game plan. And they had chances. And if one of them had gone in, they would have just kind of shut up shop and, and collected all three points. Which, which I find a little bit strange with Ryan, though, because his Plymouth team played... Nothing like this, you know. He hasn't got the they were players. a totally different side. Yeah. But maybe that's the case, yeah. But that does lead us on to the Blackpool game. So we'll quickly touch on this before we wrap up. Um Blackpool on Tuesday night. We play again at home. I think if we play like that, Paul will beat them. I just I look at Blackpool. Too. They've lost the last three games. They're not they're not as solid as Preston. That we've got to win that game, I think, haven't we? And I think Mowbray said that after the match as well. He was he was yeah, he was looking at it and thinking maybe you know, four points from two games wouldn't be too bad. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Do you know what's mad? Normally, I'm not a fan of midweek games. In League One, I'd be like, ooh, shall I go to this? Shall I not <laughs> go to this? But on Tuesday, I'm very excited. I think you may, I think you might freshen it up a little bit. I think you might I think you might leave Evans out and put somebody else in. Um, I, I think you will freshen it up a bit. I think you might leave Embleton out and maybe try one of those new lads up there. So, yeah, I think um, I think we'll get three points on on. Uh, on the only Tuesday. reason I the only reason I don't think he would take Evans out of the team is just because with him he's sort of like that. With that protection. He's, he's like, yeah, he's he's just he's there and he but I can see him making a number of changes. I think Chris, I don't yeah. know what you think, but I think um it might be time for a mad to start, it might be time for Bart to start. This might be the perfect game, a home game against somebody you should be beaten, where you're gonna be yeah. expected to have the majority of the ball. Maybe it's time to do it. it Pull the trigger, or do you think you'll be a little bit more cautious? I, well, I think I think you, there'll be somewhere in between. I think I don't think he's going to chuck. I don't think he's going to make kind of three or four changes. I, I think he might. I think the change that I, you know I think I'd make would be to bring um, Ahmad in for Embleton. Um, I think that that yeah. would, that might be the only change he might make. I don't think he'll rotate it mm. kind of too much because actually we mm. we played really well. But I think the justification for making one change is that we didn't have that cutting edge and bringing Embleton out yeah. who likes to drop for Ahmad who likes to go, you know, kind of big on the shoulder and get him behind. I think that's the change to make. But we need to be we need to be slightly careful because, you know, Blackpool at home, you know, that that we think, oh, they've recently come up and, you know, we're at home and we should be winning. We've just got to be careful about the expectation because Blackpool are a bit like Preston where their away form is much better than their home form. I mean, they've only won one in five at home this season, but the, uh, uh, away from home, they've won two and drawn one out of the six. So, I mean, they're, they're kind of, they've, mm. they've getting most of their points away from home so far this season. So, we just need to be careful about that kind of expectation turning up, getting three points. Um, and and kind of giving the giving the lads kind of a a bit of leeway that actually it's going to be a tough game. Blackpool are going to come set up probably similar to Preston, and um, we've got to be prepared for a little bit of frustration maybe before we maybe if we do open the open the scoring. Bang on, bang yeah, on, well, bang on, yeah. Yeah, I'm 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 just looking at the stats. They have, they lost to Norwich on Saturday, which you know. The, it was only 1-0, so, you know, and Norwich are a good team, they're going to be right up there, but they had almost as many shots, they had almost as many shots on target, they had an even share of the possession, so Blackpool took the game to Norwich, so it might be a case where they're a little bit more open against us, because Norwich are a bit like us, they, they like to play with the ball on the floor. I don't really know what to expect, but I'm like, to be fair, I don't know what to expect ahead mm. of a lot of games this season, I don't know much about the championship still, um, but I'll just look at it on the face of it and think, if they've lost the last three games, there's a weakness there that we can exploit, um, 
I agree with you, Chris. I think Ahmad comes in for Embleton just to maybe give us something different up there. And that's probably the the only thing from the last two games where I go, mm, if I put my finger out and say we need to change that, it's probably the fact that we're playing we're playing four four two and Pritchard is the one dropping in and sort of trying to link up the play. But mm. we ahead of him, is Embleton dynamic enough to, to break the lines? I don't think he is. Mm. I think we've got lads there now who are. And Ahmad naturally is that probably that player who comes in but I'll probably bring in him I think um, other than that it's going to be difficult to change anything to be honest yeah Matt's also got a great song mate so you should get you get a bonus <laughs> point if you've got a great song do you know what I mean <laughs> but, but we've we've got we've got obviously um, Bennett's obviously going to be an impact player for a, a little while I think Barr is he could make, he could start I don't know I don't know whether you know Mowbray seems pretty set on Dan Neal doesn't he Chris he doesn't he does. I don't. I don't know if he's going to be so quick to drop him because I actually thought he did all right this weekend. So I, I wouldn't. I don't think he's going to drop him. But this might be the game where if it doesn't go so well, we see changes afterwards to follow. You know. So Ahmad may be the only change I would make. I don't know what you would do. Yeah, not, I think that would be the only change I would make. But I, I mean, just on Dan Neil. I mean, again, Dan Neil's now played a lot of football. You know, successive games, and I, you know, last season, I don't think he's. I don't think he played that many kind of successive games. He was in and out. Um, so at some point he's gonna he's gonna kind of burn out a little bit, and um, I wouldn't be surprised to see that change bar coming in for mm. for Neil. Um, like you said, Evans Evans is the one that protects that back four because every everybody else we've got on the pitch bar the bar kind of all nine bar and uh, Elise and maybe well maybe Gooch, but even Gooch wants to attack. So we've got so many players on the pitch who wants to attack. Evans is really important because mm. he's the one who sits and says, "Right, well, I'm not bothered about joining the attack. I'll, I'll kind of sit in." So he, he's... do you think? Do you think Matete could do that? Yeah, I think he could, but I think Matete and, and Matete's still learning the game. He's, you know, it's it's easy to forget yeah. Matete is kind of twenty twenty one, but Matete likes. He, he's a bit like we were talking earlier on. Matete likes driving forward into space, and sometimes if he if he gives away possession, Evans is the one to kind of mop yeah, up, mop up yeah, behind yeah. him. So. Yeah. But seeing that, Paul, at home to Blackpool, I mean, would would you actually say, well, you know, shall we actually go really positive and take Evans out and go with two positive kind of central midfielders, or is that too the much that of a said, The season that said to freshen up, I just thought that he he's, he he seems to have been struggling a bit for fitness this year. Like he seems to just be picked up a couple of niggles, hasn't he? Mm. So I was thinking maybe they'll 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 give him a rest on Tuesday to get him for next think, Saturday. I don't know. Alex Neil used to bring Evans out every other game, didn't he? And and Mowbray, ha- yeah. Mowbray hasn't. Mowbray's kind of stuck him in there every game. But Alex Neil like pulling him out every couple of games. Didn't Evans play for Mowbray for years though? Didn't mm. he? Did he? Yeah, yeah, he yeah, did. yeah. So maybe he knows. I, I, it's it's one of them, and it. I think. But <laughs> the other side of that, Paul, is is that when we I spoke to a Blackburn fan when we signed him, and he was really disappointed in Evans mainly to do with his fitness, and it was Mowbray who was his manager. So yeah, yeah it's going to be. That's quite an interesting point actually. Mm. But um, yeah. So I'm I'm. Again, I'm not I'm not overly sort of scared of Blackpool at all. I think we've got nothing to fear with Blackpool, but I think we'll win. I, I, if I go around, the, I'll go around the table quickly just to see what you think will actually happen in the game. I think we'll win. I think it'll be quite comfortable as well. Um, I'm I'm going to say probably two 0 to Sunderland. I just I don't know. I, I feel like this is one of the games we we should win. What about you, Chris? Yeah, I, I think we'll I think we'll win, but I just don't think. It's going to be another Rotherham. I don't think it's going to be as comfortable no. as that. I think I think Blackpool are a better side than Rotherham, and I think uh, I think it might be a little bit of kind of you know cat and mouse to open the door at first. But I think once once we grab that first goal, I, th- I think that should be it. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think we'll I think we'll win one nil and I think Patrick Roberts will score. And I'm do you know what I feel like about Tuesday? I'm curious. I'm very curious and interested to see what the game because I don't know much about Blackpool either. So I'm very curious to see what happens. Well, you know what it is, Paul? Just just that, you know, just watching you there answer that question, kind of having that smile on your face that isn't yeah. it weird to be excited to kind of at the next game for something? Very weird, very <laughs> weird. Yeah, yeah. Well, like, like not thinking, oh my god, or oh my god. It's it's not even like because I think in League One for so long, you're like, I don't really want to watch any of these players. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I've I've wrote about it on the site after the game. It's it, we're going into the I'm walking into the stadium now, and it's not just on the pitch where I'm seeing it, where there's just no pressure on Sunderland. We're going to yeah. games, people are just totally relaxed in the pub beforehand, walking into the ground, you know, people are just, they're not rushing to get to their seat, they're just sort of yeah. ambling into the ground and then when they get in there, there's a really nice relaxed atmosphere where people are singing and it's buoyant and Aye. it's all feeding into the, it's because we've come up with no expectation other than don't struggle and I think it's evident at this point we're not going to struggle. So people are just like, well, let's just see what happens today and hope for the best, you know. Mm. That could change on a, on the back of a couple of bad results. And I've I've been quite adamant that I think people need to um, just remember that this is a young team trying to play the right way. We're trying to do things right. And that at some point we are going to lose games. And it's at them moments when you have to think back to like these conversations and, and these moments and think, you know, we're all right. We're, this isn't going to... This isn't going to go tits up as quickly as it used to, you know, with Sunderland. Mm. We're on the right page here, and that's all I'm hoping. Like, if Tuesday night doesn't go well, people don't boo, people don't get on their case, you know. Yeah, it's a, it's a real. That's a real interesting point, you know, about how because I was like, how long will we be able to be like, oh well, we should keep our expectations low. Be it's a, again. I mean, that's I'm curious about that as well. Yeah. Like, yeah. what happens if we lose? Yeah. What happens if we lose <laughs> two in a row? How will people react? Yeah. But I think it's already happening because. Like we're all, I mean, just the general kind of tone of this podcast. I mean, we've we've drawn nil nil. We've come off the back of a goalless draw, and you, <laughs> kind of listen to us. We're kind of excited about what's next after a nil nil yeah. draw, and we're like, yeah. what's going to happen next? Who we're going to play? All these young players going to get another chance? And we're we're all talking like that. And when you consider that we're what that was our eleventh game, I think it was of the season. And we haven't put back to back wins together this season, but we're still, wow. we're, but we're positive because we can see what's happening. We can see the style of football play. Eleven, mate, it's mad. We're eleven games in. I still feel like we're watching the first couple because yeah. it's that exciting. I think. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And, and it, it tells you a lot that the club didn't really push the game. It wasn't like, oh, you know, let's get the let's get the stadium packed. It wasn't like kind of the, the Methven days where it was all over the socials and all this mm. sort of stuff. But we got mm. over forty one thousand without even trying. Because people, there's that buzz mm. about it. There's that feeling about it. People want, people want to go and watch what's happening on the pitch. It, it's just a, except yeah. my kids. <laughs> 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 well, that brings us to a nice end. But um, yeah, cheers for joining us, Chris. Appreciate it, no mate. As always, you'll be back with a preview before. Who are we playing on Saturday? Swansea. The coming thick and fast. Swansea. Swansea. So you'll hopefully be back with a preview for Swansea. Okay. Uh, cheers, Paul. Thanks for coming on, Amazing. mate. Really appreciate Listen, it. thank you so much for having me. I've had a great time. No, no problem. We'll do it again soon. Thank you. And uh, thank thanks, you. Uh, thanks to the listeners. Thanks for joining us. You can catch everything leading up to Tuesday's game over on RoteReport.com. Make sure you check that out. We'll have all the pre-match and post-match coverage. But yeah, thanks for joining us, and we'll catch you next time. Cheers. Oh, 
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 